Good evening, IT entrepreneurs, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Panettieri, content czar for AfterNines.com. Thanks for joining us here each Tuesday night at 9.01 Eastern and sometimes in between. Before I introduce tonight's guest, I'd like to thank tonight's sponsor, Matthew Brenneman, attorney at law. From startup to sale, reach out to Matthew Brenneman for the legal guidance your business needs. Dial 781-631-1690. That's 781-631-1690. Now, on to podcast episode 5, featuring my conversation with JumpCloud CEO Raj Bargava. He'll describe a major cloud pivot involving directory as a service. And Raj will also share merger, acquisition, and funding guidance based on the eight technology companies he has built over the years. Raj, great to be talking to you. How you been? I've been great, Joe. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, you know, same here. It's really nice to catch up. Now, for our listeners who are not familiar with JumpCloud, can you give us a little bit of background on the company? Absolutely. So JumpCloud is reimagining Active Directory and LDAP. Basically, our vision is to take the directory, which really sort of came of age about 15, 20 years ago, and bring it into the modern cloud era. And so it's been a fascinating ride for us and, and a whole lot of fun. Fantastic. Now, this sounds like a little bit of a pivot. I think last time you and I spoke, you were focused more on uh, server monitoring, whether on-premise or in the cloud. Did you guys adjust the strategy a little bit? We did adjust the, I, I would say we adjusted the messaging and positioning more than anything. So when we first launched about a year ago, uh, our first piece of functionality was user management for servers, really cloud servers. And that was the first core component that we wanted to build and, and people loved it. And then we built some server orchestration technology on top of that. And what our customers came to us and told us was that if you think about it, what you guys have built is really a cloud-based version of Active Directory. You have the ability to authenticate, authorize, and manage devices. And so they said, why don't you tilt the, the positioning and messaging 15 or 20 degrees, um, use the functionality you have, but expand it into being uh, into cross-platform and Windows devices as well as Mac devices so that you have the, the laptops and desktops covered. And now you've got a cloud-based sort of instantiation of AD, which they thought was fascinating. So we really went with where the customers took us, and it was a fascinating ride. And um, it is an adjustment, I'd say, mostly on the positioning and messaging. But the functionality that we had built um, is all the same. So it, it's been great. It's really, uh, we, we launched with our directory as a service messaging about a month ago uh, in late September. And the the response has been really, really incredible. So it, it's clear that moving the directory to the cloud is, is an important task that needs to be done. Yeah, you know, you, you bring up some key points here. You know, on the one hand, there are millions and millions and millions of, of Active Directory uh, objects out there on premises. So it sounds like what you've basically done here is given a, a lot of Microsoft customers a bridge to the cloud. But this is more than Microsoft, right? You, you're actually, uh, is it fair to say, a directory service superset? We are. So we the way we look at it is building a superset of Active Directory and LDAP. And LDAP is obviously the open source standard 
of uh, of directories and open LDAP has been out there. So Microsoft Active Directory is obviously the market leader. Open LDAP we think is sort of the number two out there open source solution. And we think of it as um, building the combination of those two, putting it in the cloud and and really building a superset for, for the modern cloud era. And what that means to us is, is things like cross-platform, being able to to handle all these different types of devices. It's also uh, being able to manage devices and, and authenticate and authorize devices that are on-premise as well as in the cloud. It also means connecting with uh, things like Gmail, which has been a huge, huge uh, shift in the industry. So there's all these massive trends that, that we saw in the on-prem directories historically just aren't able to cover that. So we said, gosh, we need to we need to take this, move it to the cloud, and then build on top of that. Good background. Thank you for that. Now, tell us a little bit more about the, the whole um, going through the pivot. Because on the one hand, you're, you're saying, hey, you know what, we already had this technology. It's not like we came up with a strategy and then had to rewrite all our software to fit the strategy. You had the software in place and in the cloud uh, development uh, team in place to do this. But you did have to change, you know, sort of your messaging and, and, and the statements you're making out to the market. Can you tell our entrepreneurs a little bit about that whole process of making that pivot? Because you want to make sure you only get one chance to redo your messaging, so to speak, and make sure it comes out crystal clear and correct. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the way we thought about it at the beginning was, I think, interesting in, in how to for other entrepreneurs to think about the, the problem. And we didn't come out to the market and say, hey, this is all figured out, we're done. We kind of went to the market and said, hey, we've got this awesome vision of, of technology that we want to build. Um, let's talk about what your problems are. Let's iterate. Let's let's learn. And we spent a good six to nine months really just spending tons of time with customers, with press, with analysts, with the market in general saying, what are the needs and problems out there? We know from a technical standpoint, user management is a pain point. We experience it. Uh, we know our friends experience it. We know that other companies out there experience it. So what's the right way for us to communicate that out to the broader market? And and it's just being open to all the learning. And And we went through a number of iterations of how do you talk about this? How do you position it? How do you message it? And ultimately... Uh, we basically came to directory as a service and and building a cloud-based directory. And so we didn't go out to the market multiple times, as you sort of pointed out. You can't do that. But you are able to go talk to people and really try different different messages, different uh, sort of positioning statements. And if you've got a customer base who loves your product and they see value in it, they'll work with you on how do, the, how do you get the words that really connect and emotionally connect what, what, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, there, there's you can't get far more concise than directory as a service. I think you guys have a really tight message there, which is great for uh, you know sort of instant customer recognition when when they begin to explore what you're up to. Hey, tell us a little bit about how you're funding uh, Jump Cloud. Now, are you bootstrapping this yourself? Are you raising friends and family dollars? Maybe going to angels? What, what's your thought process right now on the funding front? Yeah, so I I funded the company at the beginning when we were first initially building our user management product, and uh, I worked with my co-founder, Topher Marie, and we built the first version of the product. And then we raised money from the Foundry Group, which is a great venture fund here in Boulder, 
Colorado and we have worked with the Foundry Group. I've actually personally worked with uh, Brad Feld, uh, one of the principals there on all eight of my companies. And so it was just a natural progression for us to, to reach out to Brad and say, hey, we'd really like to work with you on this on this company. And so that was really our, our thought process. And I think on a go forward basis, you know, we're in a market that I think is a really big, interesting market. We we have built companies that are venture funded, so that's the path that we like to take. And we think that it's a it's a great way to to build a company. It's not for everybody, but it's definitely a path that we think that Jump Cloud is is sort of it's the right path for Jump Cloud to take. Got it. Now before we go down sort of the future path with potential venture capital, let's talk a little bit more about uh, that local funding you got. Now, on the one hand, you've got a track record with, with these local guys, right? They, they know you, so you've got credibility walking in the door. But for that first-time entrepreneur who may not have that credibility with, with in, in the angel investor circles, how far along do you think they have to be with their company before they go knocking on the door for money? Do, do they have to have a proof of concept? Is it, is it just a whiteboard presentation? Or do you have to have something up and running or maybe even revenue? I mean, how far along do you think – that entrepreneur has to be before they uh, start uh, poking around for money? Well, I think it obviously depends on what the company is and what you're trying to go after. If it's a really big opportunity and people understand that opportunity, you have something unique, it's it's defensible, you're going to be able to walk in to, to venture firms kind of out of the gate and um, even just have a, a whiteboard uh, discussion and, and they're going to get it. There's just recently, I was uh, talking to some entrepreneurs who have a, a great idea, and and they were able to, without really much code at all uh, or product at all, they just were able to walk in and talk to some great venture guys and, and get it funded. And, you know, obviously that doesn't work for everybody, but there are some people that does work for. I'd say the vast majority of folks, I, I think you really have to deep go deep on your product concept and, and your market and learn as much as you can about it and build that into a presentation, build that into a plan and then just do your homework. And and then a a natural way to do that is to reach out to angels, other entrepreneurs who've done this before, other CEOs who are excited about helping young companies. There's tons of great accelerators out there now. Techstars is an example. There's Y Combinator. There's, there's plenty of accelerators out there too that are, are great opportunities for early entrepreneurs. So mm. there are there are a tremendous number of resources these days to go build companies. So I think if if the entrepreneur can do their homework and really work hard on their concept, then they're going to have a lot of different opportunities to to finance the business. Yeah. So so in other words, just make sure you can really explain clearly your vision, um, and then know who you're going after. You put those two things together, and and you're going to. Uh get a better hit rate, I would imagine, as, as you're uh, navigating the system here. So moving along, um, tell us a little bit about your priorities. How, how far along is Jump Cloud now? How, long, how old is the company? So the company is uh, about a year and a half old, and uh, we've been deep in product development for that, for that time. And obviously, we were working with customers uh, for very initial, uh, early on and initially with our user management product and, and have broadened it out to be our directory as a service platform. Now, when so so, let's say you get that proof of concept uh, 
product up and going. You know, these days, a lot of startups are able to get that up so quickly by just putting it in a third-party public cloud, right? So you get the, uh, the, the proof of concept up and running. How do you go find a, co- a, a few early testers to, to get that feedback? Who did you uh, – maybe you don't need to reveal actual names, but what type of shortlist do you have to develop to go get those first users to give you feedback? Well, the nice part about uh, being in this community is we just reached out to friends in, in the Boulder community, Denver community, people that we had worked with before, and and just asked them to help us out. And and most people are willing to help out, so it's really nice. They're 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 great, and you know we're willing to help and step up to help other people out. So I think it kind of you go reach out to your friends, you go reach out to uh, colleagues, you go reach out to past customers, and say hey, we have this concept and we'd really just love to buy you coffee and, and get some feedback on it. Or, you know, could we buy you lunch and would you mind just sort of spinning it up and uh, and testing it out and seeing whether it works for you, doesn't work for you. We'd love sort of great unfiltered feedback. And, and that's a great place to start. Start with your friends, start with your colleagues, start with uh, customers who you worked with in the past that, you know, you have a good relationship with and, and just spend as much time as you can with them. And, and, the, the thing is, you have to be somewhat careful about that because they are people that you know, and right. there there is going to be that natural tendency of they're not going to want to hurt your feelings and not want to give you you know too harsh feedback. But I think most people understand that, and they do give pretty good feedback. And then over time, what you want to do is you want to make that leap into uh, talking to people who don't you don't know you haven't spoken with them before, but they have this burning need or problem. And I think an interesting way to do that is to spin up some some Google AdWords. It's uh, just figure out some easy ways to bring some people in who this concept resonates with, and then and then talk to them. Mm-hmm. And and it, and Google AdWords is a great example. Build, build a landing page and and throw up some AdWords and and bring in some people and see if you can talk to them about your concept. People that you don't know, but the common thread is or the common bond is you care about this problem. Yeah, yeah, they have a need and you have a potential solution, so they're inclined to get in touch with you. Sounds like a great tip. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your hiring priorities. Now, you sound like the first priority was engineering, actually getting this up and going. Um, was that the first priority? And now are you also building out marketing, sales, and, and other legs to the stool, so to speak? Yeah, it was to start with with engineering. We built out the engineering team, and then we started to build out the marketing team, we're starting to build out the sales team. So it it takes a balanced approach. And as the product gets bigger, we have more needs in engineering, we have support needs. So it, it's a balanced approach. But initially, you're going to focus on engineering, or at least we did. Uh, we focused on engineering to build the product and spend a lot of time there. So we were very engineering heavy. Mm-hmm. It started to balance out a little bit more now. But we still we still are looking for a lot of engineers. So that's kind of, in the early phases of a company, um, I think you can never have enough great, great, uh, talented engineers. Yeah. With those early phases, with those first engineer hires, are they all seasoned veterans or are you willing to take a few chances on recent college graduates and and, and someone who maybe uh, he or she may be a bit greener, but they're showing all this promise? Yeah. So we've done a little bit of both. So we started with a core group of very experienced engineers and then we added in some some young out of school and uh great energetic folks very very smart so we've we've had a little bit of both and i think again balance really matters and 
if you have too many sort of very, very senior people, that tilts you one way. If you have too many young people, that tilts you one way um, if, if they don't have enough experience. So I think bringing in that balance is, is pretty important. Fantastic. Now, now, Jump Cloud is not your first trip around the block, so to speak. You've, I think you've launched and or been involved with uh, uh, at least eight build-outs and or exits. Is that the right number at this point? Yeah, Jump Cloud's the eighth company that uh, eighth eighth venture backed company that I've started, been a co-founder of. We've uh, taken a couple public. We've had three acquired, and I've got three that are private right now. So okay. it's a, it's a fun it's a fun job. I can't complain. Yeah, let, let's see if we can go down just a little bit on on each one of those paths. So so let's start first with the ones that have been acquired, rather than the IPOs, the ones that have been acquired. Did you stick around post-acquisition, or was it uh, you know, just a, a clean sale where um, a company bought the asset from you and, and you were no longer involved uh, the, the day the deal closed? Yeah, so all three of them, interestingly enough, um, I, I did not stick around afterwards. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty clean transition for me, and in a couple of those cases, I was – at that point, on the board of directors, so I wasn't a day-to-day mm-hmm. active employee. But um, it, it it just depends on every deal whether the team sticks around, whether they don't stick around, whether they want you to help out, whether they don't. So uh, in the other case where I was the CEO, I ended up helping out just sort of casually with uh, with the acquirer, but uh, didn't take a day-to-day operating role uh, company that bought us. And then in terms of valuation, now I'm not going to ask you for the, the exact dollars and cents on any of these deals, but, but what's your thought process? When you come to the negotiating table on a potential company sale, what are the metrics that you're thinking about um, where you think you can help to raise the value of your company just by expressing the metrics? Is it, is it net income? Is it growth rates? Is it uh, you know the rate of your revenue growth? Is it your margin? What, what are the most important financial metrics that you want to bring to the table? Yeah, again, it depends on the company and the stage that you're at and the style. So we've had companies that have been profitable so that they're able to sort of value us off profitability. Uh, But we've also had companies that were sold just after 18 months. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you're not going to have a profitable company. And if it's a venture-backed company, generally, you're not going to have a a profitable company in 18 months. And so at that point, they were more interested in the growth rate, the trajectory, uh, customer signups. And, and sort of that side of things. So it does just depend a little bit on the stage and where you're at and kind of the market that you're playing in. So there's there's obviously great consumer companies these days, which is a market that I don't know much about, but you sort of read about how they're just getting tremendous traction and acquisition of, of end users is sort of the, the metric that matters. And then you've got business-to-business companies, uh, enterprise software companies, where MRR matters, so revenue, monthly recurring revenue matters uh, the most. Right. So it it really depends on the type of company, but I would say you care about revenue, you care about growth rate, you care about the cost of acquiring a customer. Um, those are all sort of general metrics that I think matter in just about every business. Got it. Now those three company sales, were you hoping to march towards IPO with any of them? And, and if so, why did you ultimately sell them instead? Yeah, I think when we start a business, we always try and focus in on building a company that that can be a public company. And the thought process really is uh, if along that journey there's somebody who shows up and says this would be interesting for us to 
to acquire or partner up and it makes sense from an economic standpoint, employee standpoint, um, strategic standpoint, then you take that, you, you take that move. Uh, very few companies go public, uh, over, you know, kind of from, from the number of companies that are started to the ones that actually make it to that, that IPO level. Mm-hmm. So you have to assume that a lot of them are going to get acquired and you're open to it. And you just basically say, but our goal, our long-term goal is to try and and take a company public. And sometimes you don't get there. You find a, a, a better path that uh, appears during the, the journey. Right. Now, I think you mentioned that, that you've actually, during these journeys, you've, you've actually taken two or three companies public. Now, were you the CEO uh, of those companies or was it a matter of, hey, you, you launched the companies, but at some point you turn over the CEO or the CXO reins to someone else who's got experience in public markets? Yeah, that's actually what I did. So I, I was a co-founder of both companies, but we had experienced CEOs that had taken companies public and, and run public companies. So um, that's the way we had done it, um, and I had done it for the two companies that uh, we took public. Got it. And in terms of sticking around once, once a company goes public, um, business just seems to, to change so much once you're publicly held. I think it was Michael Dell in recent weeks who said his his job is about 20% lighter now now that Dell is a privately held company. Um, for lack of a better phrase, does all hell break loose once you are public? I mean, just worrying about all those, uh, you know, the public statements you got to make and, and, and uh, setting Wall Street expectations, et cetera? Yeah, it totally changes. It changes. It, it has to change. And especially after after the bubble years where mm-hmm. uh, there were a lot of problems and, and they've since instituted a lot more regulation uh, it's it's just a different ballgame. So you see a lot of companies shy away from wanting to be public companies uh, until the last possible moment. And, I mean, you saw that a little bit with Facebook, with Twitter, and uh, companies like that who waited as long as they possibly could. And I'm sure you're seeing that with a number of companies today that are uh, really big businesses, but they've decided that they don't want to be public companies until they really have to be. Mm-hmm. So I I can appreciate the, the comment that Michael Dell made of having lots more time to focus on your business versus having to to deal with the public market stuff. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Hey, uh, before we get back to Jump Cloud and what you're up to there, I want to ask one more question on, on these other companies you've built and, and exited. Um, as you look back, particularly on the company sales, uh, the, the three that you sold, any key learnings there or mistakes where, you know, without mentioning the deal or the company by name, uh, where if you could go back in time, you'd sort of tweak your approach to the exit? Yeah, I think you always learn. So I, I'd say each one of them, we probably would have tweaked different things. Um, you know, I'm, I guess I'm always one of those people who says that we can always improve. Mm-hmm. So there's there's definitely things that we could have done differently, um, deal terms that we could have negotiated differently or, or things that we could have uh, emphasized more than others and – but I, you know, transactions are very difficult. So sometimes you have this view after it's been a few years where, gosh, we really should have uh, focused more on this deal term than this one. But in the moment, you just you're doing the best you can with the information that you have. So a little bit of it is 2020 hindsight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you put yourself back in that position with the information that you had at that time, would you have made a different decision? And most of the times, the answer is you probably wouldn't have. Um, it's only after you've learned more over time that 
you're able to go back and say, Hey, we would have, we would have done it differently. So it's, it's nice to have that luxury of looking back and, and you learn and you, you do that. But the reality is, is that most of the times when you're in that moment, you're probably not going to make a different decision with the information that you had, but hopefully experience teaches us. And, you know, the next time we do a transaction, we, we take that learning into account and you do a better job the next time. Got it. So let's jump back quite literally to jump cloud. Uh, I think you mentioned you're more than a year into the business. Now you've, you've done this pivot where, um, you know, it, it was initially about uh, server monitoring, both on premises and or in the cloud. Now you're really focused on, on the, uh, the directory uh, opportunity here. What are your big priorities uh, for the rest of uh, 2014 and then looking ahead for 2015? Yeah, so um, obviously not too much time left in, in 2014. It's gone by, by really fast. I think our biggest priorities are to basically continue down the vectors uh, that we've started, which are, are basically authorization, authentication, and management of of devices um, and users and, and IT apps. So if you break that down, it's really making sure that we can authenticate uh, with a wide variety of, of devices and applications and authorize them as well. So making sure that we have great cross-platform support, making sure that it's easy for applications to connect to our directory. And then the third leg of that stool is management and making sure that we've got deep management capabilities for all the various operating systems that we want to support. So that's really kind of our focus is continuing to round out this directory, which to us has to be a centerpiece. Uh, it really has to enable really anything to connect to it and make sure that it's authenticated and authorized. And then for the devices that we want to support, being able to manage those devices, much like Active Directory does with Windows devices with GPO uh, policies. So that's that's really our focus over the next, I'll call it a year, year and a half, is just continuing to hammer down that, that path and making sure that our directory is really this sort of central point where anything can connect to it and get authorized and, and authenticated. Yeah, when you say anything, you know, when we, let, let's rewind time just a little bit. When we think of Active Directory, directory in the early years, of course, we're talking about, for the most part, Windows servers and then Windows desktops and notebooks. Today, as you're talking about a, a you know a, a cloud-enabled superset directory service, what are you seeing in terms of uh, Apple iOS, Google Android, etc.? I mean, are you are you forced basically to try and make sure you're covering all of these different mobile platforms? You know, even the Blackberries of the world, for instance. Yeah, I mean, I think there's different ways to do that. I mean, our focus has been really on Windows devices, Mac, and Linux, mm -hmm. and because the directory is really connecting those those things, that's kind of historically how it's been is really desktops, laptop servers. So those are the primary candidates, but there's no doubt to us that the directory will include uh, mobile devices, tablets, and, and things like that. There are various ways people are doing that today, uh, things like MDM. So we're cognizant of that, and we think there's a great vibrant market around MDM. And so we don't want to go recreate the wheel, so we'll figure out how we work with MDM solutions to cover the mobile, but for Mac and Linux and and Windows, we don't see a cloud-based directory that's out there. We think that you know Jump Cloud's directory as a service is the first one out there as, as being the cloud uh, cloud-based directory, and so we've got to really focus uh, hard on that and and see if we can execute well there. 
Sounds good. You know, it's funny. I, I could almost see virtually all the mobile device uh, management entrepreneurs out there leaning in, as you were saying. <laughs> You're not looking to reinvent the wheel there. It sounds like there might be some partnership opportunities down there. Absolutely, road, so, yeah. So we'll be watching. Well, Raj, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Thank you so much for the insights, a little bit of history on where you've been with uh, M&A over the years, and now the update on JumpCloud. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Joe. This is great. Appreciate it. And thanks again to our sponsor. From startup to sale, reach out to attorney at law Matthew Brenneman, 781-631-1690. And remember to join us every Tuesday night at 901 Eastern for Good Evening IT Entrepreneurs. I'm Joe Panateri, signing off for After9s.com.